It's a rumination Tuesday on this March the 22nd in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be taking a look at the hymn, God Loved the World So That He Gave. It was written by Johann O'Lerius. He died in 1684. He was the court preacher at Halle and Weissenfels, and he was a leading theologian of his time. He produced a systematic theology, a commentary on the whole Bible, a great many academic and devotional books, and the most comprehensive hymnal of the period. That was done in 1671. This hymn appeared in that book in a section of hymns teaching the chief articles of the Christian faith. God loved the world so that he gave. And with us is Pastor Mark Smith. And what do you think this hymn is based on, Pastor Smith? I'd say uh, John 3.16. Ooh, that's a good guess. <laughs> uh, of course, it's used. It's the chosen uh, hymn for this Sunday. And, of course, the lesson, the gospel for this Sunday is the parable of the lost son. That kind of, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the lost the saved. And, and this is the, the parable of the lost son, also called the parable of the prodigal son. Yes, I like calling it uh, the parable of two lost sons. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Really, there's, uh, yeah, there's really only one lost son in the end. Right. Because the other one is found. That's right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, in, it's a, in that chapter of Luke. Uh, 15. Luke 15, what? right. It's one of I three parables. It. You got the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. Um, and really, they're all, they're all teaching the same essential truth. Yes, just using different metaphors. Right. So, without further ado, if you would read stanza one. God loved the world so that he gave his only son, the lost, to save, that all who would in him believe should everlasting life receive. Now, we're not even out of the first stanza, and we already have the essence of the Christian faith, which is you are not saved. It doesn't say, then all who would obey. Right. Should everlasting life receive, but all right. instead who would believe. What's that's the right. difference? Well, big difference. Big. That's the that's the heart of the gospel is that we're saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works. Uh, you know, I mean, this the, we're going to learn in this uh, this Sunday's gospel that the son, you know, he, he'd gone. He'd run off and he'd hit rock bottom, and he had nothing, uh, nothing to uh, to credit him at all, except the father reached out to him. Right. Yeah, there is a really misconception with that. Yeah. And a, a lot of people think that he repented. 
No, no, you're right. He came back to manipulate. That's right. Well said. So we're going to be taking a look at that this Sunday. And there's so much in there to indicate how we are truly saved. Even though it's the Father, who does the Father represent? Christ. Yes. Christ Not runs God the Father. But the Father yes. the Father runs down the road, something which was unheard of for a man in his standing, to run down the road to sweep his son into his arms. That's obviously Christ. Yes. And God loves the world so that he gave his only son the lost to save. And that's written a number of times in the Bible, his only begotten son, that all who would in him believe should everlasting life receive. In fact, you, you made the point that when you come to faith, that isn't even a work you do. No. No, the faith is a gift of God itself. Yes. And, hey, that brings so, up a question for you, Tom. If you don't mind me departing a little bit to ask you, I think, a difficult question. How do you explain, you know, we, we profess that Christ is eternally begotten of the Father. Have you ever been able to explain that to anyone? Eternally begotten. Yes. Oh, you want me to explain it? <laughs> You're just going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, that's all I was going to do. You just asked me a question. <laughs> okay, Tom, I'll let you. I'll let you off there. <laughs> when you think of eternally begotten. Yeah. What would the opposite be? Finite, finitely begotten. <laughs> or temporally. Tempor temporally begotten, yes. Uh huh. That therefore, but, when Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, that's when he became living, when he began yeah. to exist. That's right. But that's right. eternally begotten is quite simply understood as there never was a time where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were not existing. That's right. Even before that's, the creation of the world. That's right. All the three, and yet they're not three eternals, but one eternal, as we profess in the uh, Athanasian Creed, right? Okay, now what's your hard question? <laughs> uh, never mind. <laughs> okay, all right, thank you. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll read stanza two. Okay. Christ Jesus is the ground of faith who was made flesh and suffered death. All then who trust in him alone are built on this chief cornerstone. Now, what's a cornerstone? You have one at your church you're at now? Right. That's another great hymn. Christ is our cornerstone. On him alone we build. Yeah, the cornerstone, uh, yes, uh, it's, all, it's typically part of the church. It's, a, it's where they lay the cornerstone. It, it usually has the date on which it was laid. And yes. sometimes cornerstones, sometimes cornerstones even have uh, little compartments in them where you can place little mementos of the time when the cornerstone was laid. Right. And... It's often thought of that that cornerstone is really part that keeps the building up in the air. Yeah, right, right. That's right. 
Christ is Christ is the ground of faith. He is, you know, it's like he said, uh, it's like he, he named Peter uh, Rock. He named Peter the Rock. And yes. when he said, he, he said to Peter, on on this rock I will build my church, he wasn't building it on Peter, but Peter gave testimony to who the rock is. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the rock on which the church is built. Well said. There's another parable that Jesus has as to what ground the church is built on. Remember the individual who builds his house on sand right. versus then on rock. Explain that right. a bit. Uh, well, yeah, uh, you don't want to build a, You don't want to build the church on sand. You don't want to build your life, your life or your house on sand because it's just a poor foundation. But it, you want it, you want it to be grounded on. Uh, on on the rock, on solid ground, and there's no more solid ground than Jesus Christ. And back to your question about the eternal Son of God, that's the second line, who was made flesh and suffered death. In other words, he wasn't flesh from the beginning, right? but he became flesh. We call that incarnation. Right, yeah. And when he appears in the Old Testament... As he does, he appears a number of times in the Old Testament. We call that the pre-incarnate Christ. Yes. And even there at times, like the angels, uh, he appears in the the flesh. Remember that time he even has a meal with Abraham. That's right. And two angels. Two angels. That's right. He he take he'll he'll appear sometimes in the form of a of a a man. And uh, but he's not he's not. Uh, incarnate yet that that of course happens uh, when he's uh, uh, when he's conceived and born of Mary but once more this verse really hits it all then who trust in him alone what would be the opposite of trust uh, the opposite of trust um, disbelief yes Yes. In other words, to trust in him means that when he says something, you believe it is true. It is a promise that will come about. Something the disciples themselves did not believe when he said he was going to Jerusalem, die, but then rise from the dead. Even the women didn't believe it. Yeah, even Thomas said, remember how Thomas said, okay, let's go and die with him. Remember that? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then it was Thomas who was the first apostle to refer to him as God. That's right. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. All right. Stanza three, please. Okay. God would not have the sinner die. His son with saving grace is nigh. His spirit in the word declares how we in Christ are are heaven's heirs. What does it mean to be an heir? It's spelled uh, H-E-I-R-S. Uh, that means we, in, we inherit. Yes. We inherit heaven. And uh, that's in, in fact, very when, clear. Yeah, when I, uh, 
when uh, little kids come up to the altar rail, not for communion, but I give them a, a, I remind them of their baptism, and I say, you know, in, in baptism, all your sins are washed away, and you have been made a child of God and an heir of heaven. You say that with each child? Yes. Oh, okay. Did that they point them to their baptism. What, what heir means? Uh... Well, a child of God, an heir of heaven, uh, an heir is someone who inherits. It's a it's a free gift of grace. It's not something no, no, they've I earned that. or I'm deserve. Asking, does a child understand that? Well, that's why you got to explain it to them. Yeah, like for example, at the last communion I did, two infants were being held by their mothers. What mm -hmm. would you say there? Oh, well, the, then I say it more. I say it more for the benefit of the parents. And what you know, do you the, say? The kids, are too, the kids are too young. If they're being held, uh, if they're infants, they're too young to understand anyway. So I say, let's, let's remember that this child, that all her sins were washed away in baptism. And uh, in baptism, God made her a child of God, an heir of heaven. Yes. Excellent. Okay. So God would not have the sinners die. In fact, that was in a Bible verse that we read not long ago on Sunday that God that takes no pleasure That's when right. the sinner definitely does not believe. And therefore, he desires that the sinner with his son would have saving grace. Yes. And notice that in this verse, all four, or, I'm sorry, all three persons of the Trinity are, me are, are mentioned. God will not have the sinner die. His son, his saving grace is nigh. His spirit in the word declares. How come that verse doesn't have a triangle in front of That's it? That's a good point. Well, the last one, the last one is, uh, has all three of them mentioned, but you're right. You know, I've never really noticed that, but uh, all three persons are represented in that verse, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, uh, two of the churches I'm helping with don't have the new hymnal. They have the old one. Uh -huh. And it's really interesting that when they do sing a Trinitarian stanza, which usually is always the last stanza in the hymn, as in this mm -hmm. one, mm -hmm. uh, they automatically stand. Yeah, is that the organ? Does the organist signal that? And how does he do that? He doesn't. He does. They just know to stand. They they can. They, yeah. You mean to say they're that alert that they spot all three persons of the Trinity in a verse and they know to stand? Well, take a look at verse six. It's kind of obvious. Yeah. <laughs> just when you look at it. Oh yeah. So they they would stand on that one. And they and they and they will stand on their own. You don't have to single them or anything, huh? No, no. Boy, that's that's a sharp congregation. Yes. All right. Uh, stanza four, please. Be of good cheer, for God's own Son forgives all sins which you have done, and justified by Jesus' blood, your baptism grants the highest good. Now there we have this, this hymn, in the hymnal we're looking at right now, is under what section? Uh, justification. Yes. What's the other item that 
is talked about besides justification is the baptism i would say a lot of, a lot of, a lot of emphasis on baptism well I, I was thinking of sanctification well let's see sanctification well, i'm looking no no i'm talking about as a heading oh well there are hymns of sanctification what's the difference well, uh, justification is is that's a solid promise. You know the idea that you are your all your sins have been atoned for. Uh, you're redeemed. Uh, it's, uh, salvation's a free gift. You haven't earned or deserved it, but God has declared you righteous. Now, sanctification is uh, that's a work. You, you know, uh, especially the Holy Spirit, where He um, once we've come to faith. He makes us holy. He 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 continues in that in that um, in that ministry of his of strengthening our faith and also uh, showing it forth in all sorts of good works. Yes, so that the good works cannot be thought of as a means by which you merit heaven. That's they right. instead are a response yes. to your recognizing that heaven is your home. Yes. They're important, but they have absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. They're an outgrowth of the gospel. Yeah, the epistle for this Sunday is really good. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, where it talks about that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, which is a great definition of what forgiveness is. He doesn't hold you accountable for your sin. Right. And th this is the very opposite of every other religion. In every other religion, they believe the problem is God. They have to get God to be reconciled to us. Uh -huh. As the real problem God's already reconciled to you because of Jesus. That's right. You, you need to be reconciled to God. That's right. It makes, you know, it's completely unique from every other religion of the world. Completely, vastly unique. And the Old Testament from Isaiah 12 really does, it says this, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. That's right. So these hymns simply expand the, the meaning of what's already in the Bible about salvation through faith, by trust, and not by works. Yeah, and they're so enheartening and uplifting and faith-building, the hymns are. Yes, it's, it's probably a theme that you use, because I sure do, when you go to visit a shut-in and give them communion. Yeah, and you know, I, I think of, you know, Luther thought so highly of music, that uh, didn't he say somewhere that it chases the devil away? It's, it's, it's next to the gospel. It, it really, music, a good hymn, really is uh, is uplifting, and uh, it, it and does. He's it, not talking it, about it, the tune. 
He's talking no, about he's the talking words. No, he's talking about the words. The words yes. attached to that tune. Yes. There are some tunes that actually appear to contradict the gospel, the, the tune itself. So yeah. we've got to be careful in using contemporary hymns. Yeah. Uh, nothing is better than the hymnals that we have been given in our church OKs. And uh, I always frown on congregations that decide to do hymnody that you can hear on the radio but aren't really Lutheran in, in their views. Right. All right, I'll read five. If you are sick, if death is near, this truth your troubled heart can cheer. Christ Jesus saves your soul from death. That is the firmest ground of faith. Now, I think that's really, really important because Jesus says to Martha, when he comes to raise Lazarus from the dead, that if you believe in me, you will never die. Yeah, that's right. So when we talk about the death of a Christian, what are we talking about? We're talking about that Christian is, is really sleeping, as Jesus often says, uh, of Jairus' daughter. She's not dead, she's, she's sleeping. And uh, even when the, the professional mourners laughed at him, they, you know, they, they, ah, you're nuts, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, uh, So but what doesn't die, according to our this soul, verse? Our soul yes. doesn't die. That's a our, body big... goes, our body goes back to the ground, that's true. And, and the body will be raised, too, on the last day, of course. But yes. you're right, the soul never dies. It goes right to be with our Lord Jesus in paradise. Exactly. And that's how your troubled heart can be cheered. That's the firmest ground of faith. Yeah. We get back to that ground again. You know, yeah. Jesus is the ground of faith. All right, if you do the last answer. Glory to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. To you, O blessed Trinity, be praised now and eternally. So, eternally, how is that to be understood? Forever and ever and ever and ever. Actually, it, 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 it's um, we, uh, somebody wants to explain to me, we're, we are sep eternal. We have a beginning, yes, but our life goes on and on forever. Actually, uh, God, of course, is truly eternal. He has no ending and no beginning. So when we're talking about a life eternal, we're talking from... Uh, uh, the moment we receive life, which right. of course, our, con our conception. No. Oh, you're thinking about baptism. Well, that's where life comes. Yeah, right. True, true life, eternal life comes with our baptism. That's when it begins. Yes. Now, it's possible that there were those who were not baptized and began life. Can you think of anyone? conversion when somebody when somebody comes to faith uh, uh before baptism yes reading the bible right uh, or hearing a sermon or 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 getting hearing the good news from a friend 
Now, I'll give you a hard question. You ready? Okay. 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 Um, how were the little boys in the Old Testament considered to be saved? Uh, circumcision. And the little girls? <laughs> well. That's right. You better laugh because there is no answer. Yeah, right. There is, there is no answer that we can give, right? No. It's not that they weren't saved. They're because saved by faith. They're, they're saved by faith. The same faith in which we're saved. They looked ahead to the promised Savior. We both, our faith is focused on the same Savior, but they looked ahead. They clung to God's promises that he gave in the Old Testament, and they knew he would one day send them a Savior, a Messiah. And so uh, they were saved by clinging to those promises. Well, I'm trying to think of a baby daughter she wouldn't be at the point of having faith yet no we, we don't know the answer we, yeah. we can't Good say point. it was faith there's only one person that we know who received faith prior to birth uh john the baptist very good that's right yeah. and yeah. that was uh, a, a gift from the holy spirit so you going to be using this hymn Sunday? Absolutely. It's going to be the sermon hymn. Yes. Yeah. In fact, so also with me, it's the sermon hymn. Uh -huh. And what I would encourage you to do is definitely take a look at the Old Testament and the epistle because they say the same things that Jesus says in that parable in Luke 15. Uh-huh. Well, I'll take another look at them. I know they're right. long. I think well, they're pretty long, if I remember no, right. They're not. Uh, there's only six verses. Oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking a last verse. I think a last Sunday. Last Sunday's Old Testament was so long. Ezekiel, you know. Ooh. Does it matter? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> not As a bit. Mary Smith says the lesson is too long. If you, <laughs> guess what's longer this week is Luke 15. The whole parable yeah, there. There is you longer go, it, than a whole column. Yeah, oh yeah. And, not, and right. not even all of it is included. Yep. All right. And we're going to be taking a look tomorrow at Solomon's book again and showing what God says is wisdom rather than foolishness. I'm Tom Baker, Mark Smith. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.